This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Living Country in the City, Episode 3. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey y'all, thank you so much for joining me for episode 3 of Living Country in the City. Today I'm talking with Patrick Alvarez, founder and owner of Bowhunter Brotherhood. Now this guy is a fellow city boy, living the country life all the way on the other side of the states in New York. And he started what's really becoming a movement of like-minded guys who love to hunt and love to fling arrows downrange. And I will say he's also got some pretty awesome gear available for sale on his website. I personally have one of their hats or shirts on nearly every day. Uh, make sure you stick around until the end of the podcast. Uh, you can find out how you can get a discount on any of your purchase from the BHB store. Now, I'm super excited to get this guy's perspective on hunting and what it's like to be from city roots, but absolutely love the outdoors. So uh, let's get going. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So I guess to start, let's talk about you really quick. Uh, if you want to kind of introduce yourself, maybe... Maybe talk a little bit of background just on yourself and how you got your start in hunting. Well, it's pretty simple. I mean, I mean, for anybody, you know, there's just that odd connection that draws you to the outdoors. I mean, whether it's tree hugging or <laughs> slipping an arrow in the pocket of a monster buck, you know, it's for me, you know, I, I grew up playing soccer and, and running around the outdoors with my dog and, whether or not, you know, it's a dying breed today while kids are inside playing video games, man. I was playing toy soldiers in the dirt, cowboys and Indians. You know, <laughs> I, that was just what I was, you know, and there was no change in that. And uh, though I did love video games, too, but it was just who I was. And I grew up with a soccer ball on my foot and, you know, a BB gun in my hand. And that's where it all started. And my dad got me into it a little bit, you know, but it just took its own path once I found my own path in it. So. That's where uh, Bow Hunter Brotherhood came down the line, though. I gotcha. I feel like that's missing from so much now. Is at, at least you know, you guys, you're from New York, right? Yeah, I'm from I'm from Southern California. You just don't get that. I feel like as much like you used to. You know, I mean, I I remember running around uh, at Halloween with like a little uh, this toy lever action lever action rifle. That, right. I mean, looked like a real, the real thing. Nowadays, you would get arrested in about three seconds flat <laughs> for something like that. But yeah, it, running around the neighborhood with a gun. You know, it's just <laughs> uh, different society, different everything, different era. It's just, uh, it's kind of weird. I mean, every, a lot has changed. You know, technology. We are in the best time, I believe. But you know, it's a, it's a big difference from the '90s to you know the early 2000s. It's like night and day. So. It's pretty cool to be a part of it, and you know we I'm enjoying it, and it's you know we have to be politically correct most of the time, but that's just not who I am and where I'm <laughs> from. So, but, you know, it's uh, it's a different different world. 
You know, I'm with you. It's it's an amazing thing. You know, we can sit and I can talk to someone, I guess, what, how many miles is it across the United States? What, 6,000 miles away? Something like that? 6,000 miles, man. And look at that. You know, it, it, <laughs> look at that. You know, it's just, that's incredible. Um, okay, so why don't you tell me just a little bit about Bowhunter Brotherhood. How did it, how did it start? How did you go from just this guy who loved the outdoors, loved hunting, uh, I'm assuming loved bow hunting, and how did it turn into uh, suddenly this this thing you call Bow Hunter Brotherhood? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it, it all started by me laying on my bed with my best <laughs> friend. That's where all you know. I mean, obviously, that's not where best ideas come from. With you know, two guys that's, on a bed. That's but, the shower, man. Yeah. The the best ideas come in the shower. Bed's number two. I'll give you that. Right? Yeah. Exactly. You know, or right after the bed. You know, but you know, it, it just. Uh, I played professional soccer. I was. It came from pretty much like a dark moment. Not really dark moment. Just um, you know, kind of like a awakening moment. Um, I played professional soccer for four years in Spain, and my whole life, like. I was, you know, if you play any sport or anything professionally, you know, you don't have the time to really do what's not going to potentially make you money or, you know what I mean? You have to put certain priorities aside and soccer was my priority every single day. So I moved to Spain. I played there for four years and um, the economy went, you know, in Europe in general went really down and uh, they weren't offering me what I was getting paid. So I ended up getting cut from the team. I got injured that year. So they're like, we're not going to pay this kid what we're paying him. You know, he's injury prone or whatever they, their excuse was. I came home and I was kind of embarrassed to be out. You know, like it was, I go out in public, all like these people are like, aren't you supposed to be in Spain playing ball right now? And I'm like, you know, kind of embarrassed to even answer to it. You know? So what I do, I sat 12 hours a day in a tree stand, you know, (laughs) I went straight (laughs) to the woods and, you know, and that it was just like I found myself again through the outdoors, you know, kind of brought me back to my childhood. And and, uh, you know, it just uh, it really gave me time to think and re figure myself out and kind of reformat in a way. And um, and it all came together over time. And in that season, you know, I got home and, I, you know, after a long hunt with my buddy, which was my sister's uh, ex-boyfriend, which is my best friend and still is. And uh, I was talking to him, like, man, I want to start something in bow hunting. And he goes, what do you mean? What do you want to start? Like, what do you, I'm like, dude, every time I go out, nobody thinks I'm a bow hunter. You know, I'm a, kind of almost like a city kid, but not like, I'm like the most diverse person you'll meet. Like, you'll see me in a a sick suit. And then the next day you'll see me in the freaking woods all day and in, in, in the dirt and gutting a deer you know you you would never (laughs) guess if you saw me out in new york if i was a bow hunter and i said to him listen i want to start my own apparel line that it's not not hickish it's it's bringing a little bit of new york swag and style and fashion with a rugged look and a badass look and that represents bow hunting saying hey i'm a bow hunter but i'm not your billy bob thornton you know sitting on the back of my truck with a beer in my hand you know so however much we do we, enjoy that, I will say, however much I do enjoy do. sitting on the back of a truck, I'm knocking that, you know, we all love our, you know, our drink here and there, but you know, it, but I'm you're not, not wearing the that. sleeveless, uh, the sleeveless button ups and, uh, all, all of that that's associated right. with it. Right. And I'm not saying I don't have friends that are like that and that I love them. It's just not what I wanted or what I, how I represent myself. So, you know, and I knew there was other people out there. So I started and I was it took me, I'm very creative when it comes to coming up with names and brands and ideas and stuff like that. And, you know, from being a little gamer back in the day, I used to come up with really cool names for teams and stuff like that and all that kind of stuff. And, and I looked over at my best friend and I was like, you're my brother, but you're not my blood, but you know, we're bow hunters. And I came up with bow hunter brotherhood and it's just, I can meet you from all the way from LA and I'm from New York. And instantly you have that mutual connection of, being a brother, man, and you have a respect for each other because being a bow hunter, we know what goes into it and we know who you are as a person to be a bow hunter. So that's where it kind of really originated from. Well, and I feel like that's, I mean, that's really kind of what connected us in the first place. You know, I found you guys, uh, found you guys on Instagram and, you know, I followed you for a while and then, um, then, then I remember we kind of both realized that we're in the same, 
we're in that same spot. You know, once again, the the city kids who one day will be wearing a suit, all of a sudden rolling in the boots the next day. And uh, it, it's funny, you know, we get uh, – I, I tend to dress uh, a little more a little more hickish at the office. I've actually <laughs> – so at work, you know, they, they end up hiring a bunch of Sams all at once at my office. And uh, right. so – they're trying to differentiate between the Sams, and so they start calling me Country Sam because I'm listening to the music. I'm rolling around in the you know occasional camo shirt. You never know. Um, but you know, I grew up in in Southern California and in Orange County in Long Beach in L.A. You know, it's it's where I grew up, and so get all these people. They're coming up, and they're like, "Hey, you know, Country Sam. So where are you from?" I'm like, "You know, why don't you guess?" And they're like, "Well, you know, you like you like bow hunting. You like uh, you know." you like all this stuff uh, i'm you know i'm i'm guessing you know you're maybe from the south or or from texas i get texas a lot if i if i'm wearing the the cowboy hat but and then they just they look so confused when i'm like no man i'm i'm from like orange county and they just they they stop for a second they they don't know how to handle it it's just right it trips them out but um you know that's kind of what what i feel like you know drew me to you guys and and of course, there's the whole aspect of bow hunting. You know, there's not not only are you these guys from the city who who love love this stuff in the country, but but it's also that additional connection of bow hunting, which I feel like is a community, a huge community in and of itself. You know, right? I mean, a lot of people we don't we're come when we our parents have us, you know, when we're born into this world, we don't get to choose where we pick to live. You know, it, you know, bow hunting is something that's inside of you. And, you know, my brother, he's just, he's side by side with me all the time. He doesn't have the passion like I do for bow hunting, you know, and it's just part of, you know, who you are. And it's a weird way of saying, but to experience it, it, it was never something I chose like i chose to do i had to do it you know like i'm going bow hunting tomorrow you know when you make it part of your schedule or like i need to go to the gym it's part of who you are you know and that's what it was and that's what it became for me and uh it's more than just hunting and it's more my natural therapy and it's more of my connection to this world than other people have trouble to understand because they don't experience it but like you said being in those kind of core areas where it's not popular, you know, popular to be a bow hunter, you know, the looks you get and, uh, you know, and it's kind of awesome to be a pioneer in, in those areas, because I don't know how many people I got just recently at a friend's giving to love venison. You know, they're like, you got to bring that back next time. You have to bring <laughs> it back. I, got, I looked up so many recipes on YouTube. You got to give me some, you know, and that's what I want, you know, they have to see the light and you have to guide them there in the right way, you know, and present it to them in the right way and, and, and talk to them and, and, you know, kind of paint, you know, a picture for them. And they, and they tend to understand it when they hear how passionate you are talking about it and what actually goes into it. They, they, they gain a respect for it. So, you know, especially being in LA and especially being in New York, those are the two opposite ends of this country, but those are the <laughs> two core areas that are against, you know, hunting in a sense when you're in the cities of those, especially in Cali. I mean, you know, it's 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 a different world. It, it It's really amazing. I mean, it's it's one of those interesting things where I feel like, you know, you when you kind of introduce people in the right way, everyone's everyone's going to come to it a different way. They're going to their different approaches are going to work work for everyone but you get a lot of those people you know uh, wearing you know once again wearing the bow hunter brotherhood hat uh at the office or bringing venison to something and you get these people you're not shoving it down their throat you know you're kind of throwing up your flag you're making your statement like hey this is this is what i do i'm not not shoving it in your face you do you i'll right. do me but uh you get you get those people who who come to you and who ask. And I was actually just talking about this in the last episode uh, where we'll get people all the time who come up and they're like, especially in California, you know, and I'm sure it's the same for you who are like, okay, they grew up without barely even knowing hunting exists. They know from, you know, old movies and stuff like that. They come up to you and they're like, okay, what's this whole hunting thing about? Like, and, and that's that moment where you can, 
you've got them then. You know, you can sit down and explain all of all of the points, the conservation and uh, all of these awesome things about hunting and kind of disabuse them of that notion that, you know, hunters are are just a bunch of dumb rednecks or hunters just go out and all we do is go shoot a deer and take its head off or something. You know, it's right. There's so much more to it than that, than those negative things, those negative stereotypes that people get. Um, and it's just, it's one of those exciting things. And that's why, honestly, I love the gear you guys have. It's, it's something, you know, I can wear around. I'm not going to get strange looks wearing, wearing this stuff as I'm, you know, rolling down Hollywood Boulevard. But right. when somebody looks a little closer, you know, you're talking with someone and they kind of, you see them like glancing up, they're reading the hat and they're like, what? Okay. What's that? What's that about? You know? Right. I mean, there's this awesome thing I read one time too. It's like anybody can wear a shirt, anybody can wear anything, you know, but what you're representing is your own self, you know, and when you put something on, you're representing, you're not just representing, you know, that you're, that you're yourself as a bow hunter, you're representing the entire bow hunting community, hunting community entirely. And the way you carry yourself is how you, you know, portray as the bow hunting community. Because if you meet somebody now, say you just met somebody and I made this very outrageous, you know, apparel and you happen to like it, but you went out there and you were rocking it, you know, and their first impression on you is whatever they see. But now you're representing bow hunting in an awesome way, a positive way, an educated way. They're going to be like, you know, those guys, you know, know what they're doing. And they're, you know, they're representing a bow hunter brotherhood company. And I love what their logo looks like and what they stand for. And it's not just about killing. It's about the connection and all that stuff. As much as we could talk as fancy as we want about the connection, but they still would never understand it. But mm-hmm. at least we're presenting the community of hunting in, in a positive manner. And that's the biggest thing. And, you know, everybody in this industry is making money from somewhere. But whether or not you want to stand for what you want to stand for is the biggest thing. And that's the core of Bow Hunter Brotherhood. I just want everybody to, you know, have a home in the hunting community that could be like, hey, guys, how do I set up this tree stand? Or how do you set up your bow? Or whatever the case may be, you know. You can hit me up whenever about anything, and I'm going to answer you. You know, honestly, I'm not going to sit here and give you a politically correct answer. You know, I have guys on Instagram that message me all the time. I'm like, what'd you expect? You want me to tell you what you want to hear, or or what you, <laughs> or the truth? You know, and that's the difference. You know, and I'm like, dude, this is a brotherhood. This isn't. I'm not here to take your money. I'm not here for you to hope that you buy a hat. You buy a hat on your own, and you buy a shirt on your own. But I'm not here to sugarcoat anything I say to you because I want your money. That's not what this is about. I stand for bow hunter brotherhood as if it was me. And and that's where certain people in this, we connect because we can relate. This isn't here for just to, you know, become a billionaire because I'm not going to come a bit. A billionaire. <laughs> I do this cause I enjoy it and I love it and I love the people in it. And that's it, you know, and that's why the brotherhood began. I love it, man. And that's, that's some of that, that New York attitude coming out right there. That's, Hey, you're not <laughs> you're not gonna get any. Man. Uh, hey, you know you. I wouldn't expect it any other way, though, man. You're not you're not giving anyone any bowl. It's uh, you know, what you see is what you get. You're gonna get an honest answer, and that's the kind of that's the kind of people you want to associate with, you know. Um, of course, of course, you know. So so tell tell me a little bit more uh, about Bowhunter Brotherhood. You know, it's it's more than just you. Um, Actually saw on Instagram recently. You guys brought uh, brought someone new on on your staff. Yeah, that's um, that's Michael. He's from uh, he's from Michigan. Well, no, not Michigan. He's actually from Minnesota. We have guys all over the country. Um, we have a small core pro staff that are you know, and that's the thing. What's really unique about us? I'm from New York. We got Geo that's from Pennsylvania. We have Aaron and Jacob that's from Iowa. We have Locke, that's my, you know, go-to man that handles all the media production. He's in Louisiana. You know, we have guys that are all over the place. We have Clay in Florida, you know. So the thing is about Bowhunter Brotherhood, I know everybody's not going to relate to me. I'm from New York, man. I, I hunt whitetail. I'm out of a tree stand most of the time. You know, I travel to other states here and there. But, you know, I, in the end of the day, not everybody's going to like me. But you know what? They might go on our, our YouTube channel and see, oh, look at – Look at this guy. He's from Iowa. I hunt an hour away from where he hunts. 
they could relate to his style of hunting and, you know, him talking about his, you know, strategy on getting a whitetail. So we have a, a really cool group of guys that are just, we all film our hunts. We um, try to show all our, our experiences through the lens as well. And, um, you know, we're pretty, we're pretty, uh, we're growing quick. We get a lot of questions on how to join and it's, you know, it's pretty cool to have a good group of guys that love the same thing that we, we're going to be doing this anyways, you know, why not share, it with you know? So it's pretty cool to have a good group of guys and that's why it's the brotherhood. I didn't start this to just be bow hunter brotherhood and there's just one person involved in it. You know, there's, there's 10 of us. So they're, and they're all, you know, really good guys and we all get together and hunt together as much as we can and go all the trade shows. And it's just, when we're together, it's, it's a good time. It's an experience, but, uh, we know how to, we know how to work when it's crunch time. And as you can tell, we don't stop working over here. So, <laughs> so you're talking about, uh, you spend, you spend most of your time, uh, hunt whitetail out of a tree stand. Have you done, uh, uh, done much spot and stock or, uh, well, I spot and stalked whitetail before and became very successful. Actually, both my biggest bucks are off the ground, which are, it's so funny. Um, it's, you know, it's like you step into woods. It's never goes as scripted, you know, it's, it's <laughs> a lot. They're not going to just be the chapter two in the book and go word by word of it, you know? So, um, those are the only spot and stalk situations I've got. And those are my two biggest bucks with, with the bow. And I shot them off the ground. Um, but other than that, I have not been on elk hunt. I have not been on anything in that type of hunting yet. And honestly, like I love, I, I, I got a taste of it and I can't wait to really experience the full thing. And we're probably going out to Idaho for mule deer. So that's when I'm going to get my first experience of it. Nice. So that's going to be very, that's impressive though with the, the whitetail. I mean, uh, elk you can be you can be pounding through the forest and and they won't they won't bat an eye all that much compared to uh compared to whitetail man wind picks up and they take off right right you know it was just it's timing i mean everything is timing you know uh you know walking into i'm walking into my into the woods into the stand and i'm just like cruising through and i see this doe and she's you know she's peeing on her tarsal glands i'm like oh she's in you know to you there's a buck behind her and long behold there's a solid buck i never got a picture of you know so it wasn't like i know he was in the core area i'm gonna go to my stand spook them and you know set up the camera gear and hope that he comes by again i'm like no i'm taking him i put down my my gear you know i it those are cool moments that you know you don't get to get it on film and show everybody but you know what it's you in the wild and it's it's back to the core way of how hunting it began for you so i put down my gear and I got into the X X Factor mode, you know, and it's just game time, you know. And I got I did a took off the boot kind of situation, and I just slipped an arrow right behind his shoulder, and I got it done. So you know that's just awesome. And when they're in the rut, man, they're only caring about one thing, just like us at the bar here. You know, <laughs> you know, it's very, we can relate. So you know, they're they're the smartest animals when they're not in the rut, but they are the dumbest animals during the rut. They're just, you know, you won't see them all year, and then during the rut, they're they don't care. You know, I mean, if you play the wind right too, you know, if you if you get in, and you know the wind's in your face, and they they they're gonna look at you, but if they can't really smell you, their nose is what determines what you are and what you're doing, and whether or not you're a threat. Their eyes are just surface; they see they see what they see. But when they can actually smell and register that smell in their in their brain that that's not a natural element in the woods, they don't. Until then, they're gonna just look at you and try to figure you out. Their nose is what determines everything. And that's for most animals, you know. Um, um, but and I, I used to hunt off the ground a lot when I was younger. Um, and I, would, I, would, I, I knew the wind was right in my face. I felt it. I was just standing there on the other side of a fallen down tree and stare right at them. They would come right up to me, try to smell me, and they can't smell me and walk right away. You know, and that's just me with my confidence and my scent control and also – knowing you know the elements what's going on you keeping tabs on where the wind's blowing and stuff like that but their nose is what they need if they don't if they can't smell you you're they're in trouble you know and and that's and that's a cool experience is like if everything comes together like that he goes out into the middle of a field and he he's acting like he's eating puts his head back down they honestly don't know what he is until they can actually understand what that smell is or or if they can smell you a lot of times if you're in a tree stand too 
you know, you spook a deer, what do they do? They circle around and they go downwind just to smell you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all that's all they really want to do is they want to examine your smell. So that's the cool thing about whitetails, man. It's There's a lot of times I go in the woods, I never shoot anything, but I love studying them, you know, and that's a cool thing about that. So, uh, so how often, how often do you get out, uh, during the season typically? Uh, girl behind me, what'd you say? Three times a day, she says. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit more than, a little bit more than, uh, the average person, you know, and especially that I'm at a cool spot in my, my life that I'm able to get out there as much as I can. And I'm taking advantage of it before, you know, real, real life kicks in and, you know, you have the house to worry about and all that. So, at the moment, I was, you know, in the last couple of years, I'm able to get in there as much as I want. And, uh, yeah, three times a day sounds pretty accurate. <laughs> so, uh, so you're talking about filming your hunts and all that. Do you normally, uh, do you normally just go out solo or do you have a couple of guys you go with? Uh... I usually bring my brother with me as a cameraman when it's like, like a serious hunt um, or my buddy Trevor. I, I got some... Uh, I got some really cool partners that helped me out. So, but you know, actually most of my, my most experienced hunt recently was actually with my buddy, Chris Abrahamson. He's a pro shooter, um, in, uh, the archery world too. So he's a five time IBO world champ and, uh, happened to meet him at the Harrisburg trade show. And he lives 10 minutes. It's just, you know, we just kicked it all out this year. And, uh, he filmed me. No, I filmed him. And, you know, he's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, get in the stand, man. I don't I don't invite you to come hunt and not film you. I want you to have a good time. That's just how I am, you know. And he's like, you sure? He's like, this is your spot. This is everything you did all scout. I'm like, just get in the stand. He's telling me a story. And this episode will be up soon. It's a great episode. And he's telling me a story. I'm like, don't move. And he's like, I thought I heard her. And, you know, <laughs> there's the dough, right? He's a five-time world champ. You know, he has to take a hard shot eight yards away you know throws this dough eight yards away continues his story you know finishes off the story and i'm like let's switch spots before you finish this story you know yeah we switch spots i go in the shooter spot and then all of a sudden a dough pops out from where he his dough landed you know where she uh crawled up and i'm like oh my goodness like 10 minutes later then i whack a dough but i'm like of course the five-time world champ has to take an eight-yard shot i had to take a 35-yard shot quartering away <laughs> i'm like you know it's just ironic how this works you know but that was the most you know ex- it was just awesome to share that moment and double up first time i ever doubled up with anybody you know and uh it was just really cool so i mean most of the hunts i'll probably have somebody with me because it's easy you know especially during the rut a lot of things are going on the deer are chasing it's easy to have a cameraman but um uh, there's times that, you know, you have to get it done yourself. I have my last doe last season was self-filmed and I did it myself. And, you know, I, whether or not if I can get somebody or not, I'm going in the woods. So, you know, it all depends on the moment and who's able to help me, you know? So, uh, do you have any, say there's uh say there's someone not necessarily new to hunting, but new to trying, you know, they want to start filming their hunts, whether or not it's, you know, they want to start putting themselves out there or if they just want it for their own posterity. Uh, you have any, you have any tips for, for someone that's, uh, that wants to start filming their hunts, maybe just doing, starting with some self-filming, anything like that? Yeah, I would, I'm, I'm going to be honest. My first year self-filming was horrible. I had a horrible season. I was self-filming. It is not easy. Um, and it's not, it's going to get easier. You're going to figure things out it's a learning curve, you know, and there, there are things you can do to watch, you know, seminars online to learn and stuff like that. But self-filming, you know, there's really affordable ways to do it. But the more important stuff is don't expect to be successful every time you go into the woods because you're not successful regardless of self-filming or not. Now you're adding a camera into the element. You're actually hunting with two things, your bow and your camera now. So you're trying to capture them on your camera first, and then you have to connect with the shot. The one thing I would have to say, though, that you have to focus on is is making an ethical shot while filming because now you're, everything is becoming very fast. Things start going a lot faster. When you just have your bow, you have to worry about one thing. You know, Now you have the camera. You're worrying about that. Now you have, to, you have like a three-second window to draw back and, and stick, in, stick them with an arrow. Uh, my first year, you know, I, it was hard for me to relax those nerves and really focus on the shot. I focused on the camera, but when I got to full draw, I just released the arrow instead of 
really getting into your anchor and figuring, you know, settling your pin and all that small details on your shot. So, but you know, it's, it's all learning curve. And that's like the one thing I would say to really focus on, but, um, that's all, you know, you comes with the trade, you're going to learn, um, camera gear and stuff like that. You know, you would want to definitely a 1080p, um, HD camera, you know, there's DSLRs are affordable and, um, camera arms, muddy makes camera arms, fourth arrow, they make really affordable, good camera arms. We're currently using fourth arrow stuff, which is very light and, you know, affordable for people to start filming. And there's camera, there's even cell phone mounts too, that you can use too, if you want to hook up to your bow and stuff like that. So, I mean, if you want to get into self-filming, we, we're definitely going to come up with an episode to how to self-film your hunts and how we do it and, and give you guys an idea. But um, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a challenge. So be don't get discouraged if your first year is not good because you know it's very easy to quit and put something down. And my first year was miserable. You know, this year I sh- I harvested four four deer. This year, my first year self filming, I think I ate tag soup, and that was the first time I ever ate tag soup. And my dad said, "Camera, we we hunt for me." And I'm I'm a competitor, man. I, I didn't get to be a professional soccer player for no reason. I wanted to compete against myself, and I wanted to do it. And it didn't happen to the second year. So, <laughs> oh. oh man, yeah, that's one of those things. I feel like any hunting is complex enough. Then adding on the additional complexity of hunting with a bow, where there's so many so many things that can go wrong the added difficulty just you know i mean a million different things but then trying to add on just one more thing on top of that having to you know whatever you're using you know mount something additional onto your bow or onto your onto your hat you know remember to turn the camera on remember to set set you know your second tripod up over here so it gets a good angle or you know, uh, mount whatever to your, you know, mount your phone scope to your, to your uh, binoculars or something. And if you're trying to, trying to get a good shot, it's anything that adds additional complexity is, is going to start making your percentages go down. I mean, there's just no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Yep. And definitely uh, getting into woods earlier to see, you know, you, you have to put all that time into consideration too. setting up your arm, you know, putting the camera on there, you know, it's just and making sure all the batteries are charged. Like you said, there's so much that goes into it and uh, making sure the camera's on and I run two angles. So, you know, it's not just the, the main camera getting the impact of the shot. I have a second angle getting me on my drawback. So, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a challenge and, you know, you have to, it's all going to become experience learning. It's the best teacher in life is experience itself. Right. So that, that alone is going to have to come through experience. You know, you could go to a hundred different seminars and, and they could tell you all these cool different things and filters and, you know, you know, all these little things about cameras and how to edit and stuff. But ultimately it's going to be you up in the tree stand, knowing how to do everything and being able to do it in those moments that count. And, you know, luckily I have a good sports background and it comes down to those moments in any sport that you have to get it done. And that's the cool thing about hunting that I can relate to, you know, is that, that rush of, you know, getting all that together. And when it all comes together, it's awesome. You know, to watch back on the footage, it's, you know, it's a lifelong memory that you get to share with everybody, whether it's a doe, a small buck, huge buck, it doesn't matter to me. That's a trophy alone being able to self-film a hunt successfully, you know? You know, it's that's the thing. You know, every every animal you take is a trophy animal. You know, it, when I should say, I should let me take, let me rephrase that. When you're an ethical hunter, every every animal you take is a trophy animal. Um, it's really, you know, it's and and that goes back to our reasons behind hunting. You know, we're not there just to put a a skin on the floor or a, you know a head on the wall. We're there for a million reasons you know we're there to for the experience we're there for the you know i mean without getting too existential we're there for that that connection you get uh we're there to to fill the dang freezer man you know that's a it all tastes the same in the end of the day you know and that that's that's my dad is all he don't care if it's a spike a monster buck a doe 
he hunts because he's from Europe. You know, when he came, when my grandparents came to this country, they came when there was no food in Europe. You know, it was World War II, and, you know, a loaf of bread was gold to them. So he came into this country coming from, you know, not having enough food. So when they hunt, they hunt for food. You know, they hunt for the meat. They hunt to feed their family. So I understand why, you know, a lot of people hate antler restriction or whatever. For me, if I need the meat, I shoot a doe. That's just me, though. But I'm not going to go and knock somebody because they shot a spike or a small buck. It's, you know, you hunt for the, for the to feed your family. And that's in the quarter of the end of the day, whether um, I'm the owner of Bowhunter Brotherhood and, you know, we need a film for the companies that we are partnered with. It doesn't matter to me, man. I'm real to who I am. And my dad wants meat in the freezer. Oh, he wants meat in the freezer. I'm going to put it there. You know, and my girlfriend says, bring home the jerky. She loves venison jerky. So, you know, at the end of the day, they don't care whether or not it's a monster buck. Yeah, it's a, it's a bonus. But, you know, to be able to sit down at a dinner table and know that you harvested that animal and you did all the processing and everybody is eating very healthy and lean meat, there's like this small, very big reward that comes with that, you know, and, and that's where everybody has to remember and kind of like, keep that in the back of their head that that's what hunting is all about and that's how it all started you know that's the thing an antler may make a fantastic decoration but uh at least no one i know has found a way to eat one yet or at least make it taste good no no nobody yet i mean maybe some witches maybe you know maybe they have it in a spell or two but there's, uh, Not us. I'm, I haven't found a way to eat an antler yet. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's some industrial grinder, but something tells me. Uh, something tells me I wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to put that in my recipe. <laughs> yeah, um, so you know, ta- talking again about just uh, once again, you know, you know the name of the podcast, "Living Country in the City." So talking again about about doing all this stuff, living in the city. Um, you know, and especially you guys have a go, uh, great following on Instagram. Um, how do you deal? You know, we get a lot of the, I get a lot of positive comments. I get a lot of just questions. But, you know, every so often you get that one person that's just doesn't want to hear it, doesn't want to see any other perspective other than what they've already got in their head. And they're just spewing that hate. How do you? You know, and and you can't always shut them out. You know, whether you're confronted on the street, you know, because you're, because you you're wearing a, a a hat with a with an arrow that says hunter on it. You know, or right. or even if it's just people on your Instagram. You know, you post you post that picture of the deers, uh, a picture of a deer, and suddenly somebody is telling you how horrible you are. You know what? How do you how do you react to that? How do you how do you tend to respond to that? I mean, you're going to get negative comments no matter no matter what you do. There's going to be somebody, whether it's hating or being, you know, I don't know if it's the haterade they drink, you know, but um, <laughs> it, whether or not what you do, it's just uh, there's going to be that, you know. And I posted a picture of my first buck with a bow, um, and the person, a person commented, why are you smiling? And, you know, like, I, I, they, un, they think that it's just, uh, I'm smiling. Cause you know, I just took a life. Yes. In a way, but it's a, it's a celebration of, to feed my family. But how I deal with those comments is I feel out the person, you know, I say, you know, this is, this is not a bad thing, you know? And, and I kind of, most of them already have their mind made up. You know, if you talk to a vegan or, and not all vegans are like that. Cause I have a friend that his ex-girlfriend was a vegan and she was totally against hunting and she went vegan and she was in the hospital six different times because her body was not getting the right nutrition and and protein and all everything that her body needed. And she ended up losing 30 pounds and looked horrible. And she was in the hospital six times in one year. And she came back to me and said, Pat, you know, I understand why you hunt. And, and I understand it's just like going to a grocery store and I kind of see why you do it now. But how I deal with those comments, you have to either, you know, Try to talk to them, but you could tell 90% of the time it's a lose-lose. So I just kind of ignore them and, you know, and, and keep it moving in a sense because, you know, I can't change everybody's opinion. Um, and it's and it's way – it's even harder to do it over social media because there's like – it's just like there's just that disconnection. You're not there in person, so it's not intimate. So you whatever you say 
they're just going to spin it or whatever. And it's not going to, you're going to waste a half an hour of your life and not get anything out of it or not change their perspective. So you're going to get that regardless. You just can't let it affect you or stop you doing from what you you love to do. And it's, it's kind of uh, a sad and, you know, a sad situation, but you're going to get that no matter what. And I guess it's just part of what, you know, we, part of the territory comes with the territory. You know, I'll, I'll admit that is one thing I'm absolutely terrible at is, is not engaging with people when there's no value to it. I'm, I'll admit, I am, I'm a dude. I am a, a man's man. I am prideful. I have more ego than I really should. And, you know, I see somebody, you know, whether whether it's, you know, to meet directly to me or about someone I love or a, an activity I love, you know, right. when they're talking talking crap about that, you know, I, I my chest puffs up and yeah. and you know, I I start I start getting all offended. I'm like I, I argued I argued with with someone from England on Instagram the other day. And and I had this moment. It was this moment and I was going back and forth and I was writing I was writing these like three paragraph long Instagram comments and you know and I I mean I wasn't I wasn't being rude I wasn't being you know angry or anything like that but I was just I was so heated that I I like oh I I can't let them get away with this comment right this person lives in England they will have uh, unless some strange moment of serendipity happens, they will have zero effect on my life. Anything to do with policy here in the United States, nothing. They've already got their mind made up. There's absolutely no reason for me to be engaging with this person other than some inflated sense of ego that I have. I mean, I admit it, man. I, I'm guilty of that as well. I mean, like, especially I don't do it through Bowhunter Brotherhood's personal Instagram. You know, I kind of do it through my own Instagram and I'm guilty of it. You know, I'll go on Joe Rogan's post and, you know, I'll see people just bashing <laughs> him, you know. And I'll be his soldier out there, man, on Instagram. I'll defend him and I'll state my statement. And you know what? It, you don't do anything in the end of the day. And same thing goes for Cameron Haynes, too. Like, I'll, people, what they say to these people, you know, and I'm like, and I'll be there defending them in a, in, in a respectful way and and trying to help them understand our perspective. But it's not going to change anything. And and if you like if you look at their page or anything, they have like 10 followers and like, you know, <laughs> like nobody likes them to begin with for a reason, you know, and it's just like it's it's coming from people that are just, you know, their, their values are so are so out of whack. And it's just. There's, uh, you know, and that's the crazy thing about America. You got so many different types of lives in this world, you know, and upcomings, and you know, it's just, it's, a, it's, it's crazy. And especially on social media, you're gonna run into, you're gonna run into some characters for sure. So, you know, I mean, I'm guilty of it, but you know, I honestly, at this point, I'm kind of like giving up on defending and like, you know, it's. It's a lose-lose, and you're wasting so much time and energy, and you're getting yourself worked up over it for them to just smile because they know they're bothering you. You know what I mean? Yep. So I'm like – it's like that little brother you just want to like just lock in a closet and like walk away for a little bit. You know, It's just like too much. Leave me alone for a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean you're wasting your time on them, time that could be spent uh, doing something productive, You know, uh, whatever it is. Heck, getting out, going on a hike. I yeah. I was doing this on a on like a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> why why I wasn't why I wasn't out in the mountains like scouting or or just enjoying being outdoors? Uh, dang if I know. Like <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's uh, tough on the internet. You're gonna you're gonna get those comments and you just gotta it, it's just gonna it's gonna happen whether it's you know a post of you harvesting the animal or. You know, we're talking about it. It's it's gonna happen, and people are gonna they're they're gonna have their views, and you're gonna have yours. And the difference is, we don't go out of our way to attack them. No, that's what really bothers. You know, we're not finding them on Instagram or Facebook and trying to threaten their families or anything like they do to you know some of us. Ridiculous. And that's what really bothers me. And uh, but 
it's crazy because in this, for example, you know, my girlfriend lives in Long Island, which is a, uh, it's a very, it's East outside of New York city. And, um, and it's, it's funny because out East in Long Island, they stopped hunting in a certain towns and in Suffolk County. And they thought they were helping the deer population by, you know, not hunting and stuff like that. Or we stopped hunting and, you know, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it counterproductive what their thoughts were, the non hunters. What they do, the, the state of New York and their town hired the SWAT team to start the sharpshooters to start sniping off the deer population. And they ended up killing thousands of them. Now, your whole, their whole vision was to, oh, we don't want hunters to kill the deer and stuff like that. So they, you know, they got it passed on their board for that town not to be, you know, no hunting allowed. Now, look, they couldn't even pull their cars out of their driveways. You know, there's deer bedded in their front yard, eating every plant. They, you know, they couldn't drive safely on the roads. You know, it was overpopulated beyond belief. Like, and it still is in some areas out there. And what they do? New York State, SWAT team, sharpshooters, take them out, donated the meat, which is cool. But Oh, they actually know. donated the meat. That's, yes, yeah. That's I, – I will – I will say that's unique for me because I remember, I actually remember reading that story. There was a news story that came out about it, and I remember posting it up and thinking to myself, like, this is the most, this is so just quintessential of, of what it's like living in California. I remember reading that and thinking, like, this is exactly, and it reminded me, like, uh, bear hunting here in California. Uh, they they outlawed uh, trapping and hunting bear with dogs. Or no, no. Uh, actually, I think and baiting. Uh, I'm not sure about trapping, to be completely honest. But uh, they they outlawed baiting and hunting bear with dogs. Now they they did the study where they say, okay, you know, they they give out a certain number of tags based on how many, you know, how many they need to get rid of. We never, almost never get to the number of bears that need to be taken. Well, they did a study about how the number of bears that were taken and then the number of bears that biologists had to go out and literally poison. Um, and just to, to thin out the population, they had to go out and poison a certain amount. Well, the number of, of bears that was taken by, uh, by baiting and by, uh, by hunting with dogs each year almost matched i think within within like 25 bears or something uh of the number that that they ended up having to over and above have people go out and and poison or you right. know and now that's taxpayers dollars paying for the poison paying for everything to happen and now you're costing the state even more money the town more money you know it's a it's a total counterproductive situation and just them and and I, them shooting all those deer out east in Long Island. It's just like, you know, that's a good thing they donated the meat. But you know, they shot thousands of deer a day. It was it was a crazy number. What they what I I can't recall exactly the exact number, but it was a, a large amount. And it still didn't even put a dent. Then they wanted to stunt. They wanted uh the what is it called when they wanted they basically want to. Uh, basically, uh, what do they call it? Neuter a deer. You know, they they wanted oh, to, like chemically or they basically wanted to cat uh, castrate deer and yeah, castrate the deer. That way, they couldn't produce. You know, they couldn't uh, mate with other deer and, and keep reproducing. And that's not going to help the situation. You know, that you're you're trying to play God, and and you're you're you can't do that. You're gonna you're just making. Us being conservationists and our money that we buy our tags goes into protecting and controlling the balance of the population and the population of all these animals since we've been hunters and been doing this the correct way has been the highest of United States history. You know, if you look at the population back from, you know, in the mid, you know, 1900s, it's like it's it's not even what it's not even half of what it was today. And oh, yeah. it's kind of. Joe Rogan mentioned it many times too, and it's it's amazing how our money is taking care of all this, and it's going to protect animals. Now, these people that are trying to make all these rules, what have they done to protect these animals? You know, what's what's the budget of PETA? I mean, PETA probably has a 
an, an insane budget. How much, how much a year do you think they donate to preserving wild habitats, to restoring uh, populations to, to states where they've disappeared? Uh, something, something tells me, I think, the, the number, it's uh, uh, less than one. Uh. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's just, and it, it really raises a lot of eyebrows and makes you realize a, a lot of things. So, you know, when I read that and I, and I, I was like, they could have hired me to go out there, man. I would have been shooting 180 inch bucks all day. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's still bad out there, but now, you know, it, I, I it's, it's horrible in a sense, but you know what? It's educating people that, you know, and people that are making these rules are not hunters, you know, they're, they're not, they don't have an inside view of what hunting really does. So they're making these decisions based on, an outside perspective it's just and, it, and it's not good it's like you know how are you going to tell me how to you know how to cook a cake a, uh, bake a cake and i never baked a cake before you know mm-hmm. i'm not going to tell you how to bake a cake when i never baked one you know and these people are making these decisions and it's just unfortunate so you know and that's the thing and Peter, you know i i read up on them all the time and overall you know they have an unlimited amount of money that goes into their organization and I don't read anything about that money really going out to take care of wildlife across the country or, you know, like you said, take care of, uh, you know, public lands or stuff like that. You know, they it seems like they have their own. Their own channel and what they want to do, and that's it. So, you know, and I've got funny. I've got two dogs. You know, I love I love pets. You know, I grew up. I grew up with all kinds of pets, and you know I'm the first yeah. one to uh, to be against mistreatment of animals. Uh, and and like I said, I love I love dogs, and you know what? I'll admit it too. I like cats too. Um, it's not the most popular <laughs> opinion, but uh, I like cats too. And uh, um, you know what? And I'm I'm the I'm the first one to to share like a a, a goofy dog video on on Facebook, but. Uh, Right. I mean, my dog is the, well, it's technically my brother's dog, but it fell in love with me. So, I mean, money doesn't buy love, right? So, she fell in love with me, and she's the girliest dog you'll ever see. She's a Pomeranian Chihuahua. I don't care whether it's a huge dog or small dog. I, I love animals, you know, and, and my, my girlfriend calls me the dog whisperer because, you know, she brought me to a house that she was house-sitting, and they had three, you know, uh, sheep dogs, and, and they were protective, and all of a sudden, now, like after spending an hour with them and getting them to, you know, love me, they don't leave me alone. They're all laying on top of me, you know, and the owner of the house says they don't like guys. They don't like guys. So you got to be really careful, you know, any animal, you know, I don't care. You know, I'm, I mean, I have a little, you know, not really a fear. I just don't trust snakes because it's not that I don't like snakes. It's that they don't have the body language doesn't tell you if they're mad or not or whether or not when they're going to attack, really. That's what, <laughs> you know, they could act like they love you and then all of a sudden strangling you. That's the thing I have about against snakes. But overall, man, animals are, are a beautiful thing. And it, it's just it's the circle of life. You know, the Lion King taught them, a, a, a you know, a lesson, a, a life lesson at a young age, man. And uh, the circle of life is very strong. So. Oh man, that's funny. No, I, I remember a random note. I remember coming coming uh, home one day. Uh, so I, I travel a lot for work, and uh, my uh, uh, my ex was house sitting for me. And uh, I come I come home, and uh, I walk in my door, and there is this this little dog. The thing I mean is probably about the size, a little bit bigger than the palm of my hand. And it's this like toy Pomeranian, and, and the whole thing's like shaved down except for the head. And I walk in, I'm like, "Where did this thing come from?" She she didn't hadn't told me. Uh, uh, I hadn't checked my texts, and and she had texted me that she was was dog sitting, and uh, had had to run out to go get something. And so I roll in, and I'm like, "What is this thing on my couch?" <laughs> but but I I will admit I will admit. You know, I hung out with it for a while, and the dog definitely grew on me. You know, right. I don't exactly have the biggest dogs. I live in a teeny little apartment here in L.A., and uh, so I, I don't exactly have the biggest dogs. I got two uh, two twenty five pound dogs, but uh, this this was definitely a, a 
a departure from from what I'm used to uh, in the in the animal world. But um, so we're we're kind of coming close on time. So maybe one last last question for you. You know, um, what advice would you give? You know, if you if you had someone coming up to you, you had someone asking, saying, you know. I want to I want to know more about this this hunting thing you know once again I'm here you know I, I, I live in a I live in a New York apartment I gotta walk I gotta walk seven floors to get up to my apartment uh, I you know I live in 400 square feet and sleep on my couch I've I've uh, the closest I've seen to the woods is Central Park how do I you know what what do I do it, it's you know I've got I've got you know what's what's the saying the the primal stirring you know the I've got this I've I've got this desire to to get out there and and hunt what, what's my first step? So funny that you you said that because it's it's very you know, I just got in a conversation with a kid at Apple uh, getting my laptop checked out with my girlfriend and I got in the same exact conversation with him he said he's been listening to Joe Rogan he's inspired him. To, to bow hunt and you know and he's he never came he has no background of bow hunting doesn't know anybody that bow hunts and he's like how do i get involved and if you meet me lucky enough i'm like get your license look it up online get your license go to your, your local place where you can take the course and everything like that do everything you need to do if you have any questions find uh, contact me on instagram or whatever and i'll guide you and after you get your license call me I'll take you out hunting. You know, that's who I am. So if you're lucky enough to meet me, I'm taking you out. You know, a lot of people don't have, you know, the, the, like you said, you know, they don't have the opportunity to just go out and, you know, be able to hunt a 300-acre farm, you know. So I would show them, and not only that, there's not a lot of people showing them the ropes. Like, luckily, I had my dad to teach me how to climb a tree with a tree stand and everything, details like that. You know, it's our duty to introduce people to the outdoors and hunting if they want to you know a lot of people in in bow hunting are like oh i can't show you this 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 spot this is where i'm going to shoot my next big buck i'm the kind of person that says dude i'll take you to that spot and that buck and i want them to love it just like i do and and enjoy it so i would say go get your license you know start bow with your brotherhood i thought i talked about it but i did it you know and that's what you need to do with pretty much anything that you want to do, and especially license. So get your license. Um, you have to get your In New York, at least, you have to get your gun hunting and safety. Then you get your archery license, and then you're able to buy your hunting license to hunt. And when you get that, look up public lands. You know, there's, there's public lands closer than people realize. There's one just an hour north of New York City, and you could go just county and go to public lands and you know, and, and hunt there, and you have all their regulations for public land. But you know what? At least you're out there, and at least you're doing it. Whether or not it's public land, private land, you know, don't stop hunting. You know, do what you do, get the full experience. And if you have any questions, you guys could definitely ask me. Or you know, it's it's unfortunate a lot of people are standoffish in in bow hunting because we're very picky on letting people know where we hunt and stuff like that. Especially when it comes to elk hunting out. But you know what? You know, as, as time goes on, there's more people and there's less property, less places to hunt. And, you know, people are becoming very protective of their spots, which I understand. But the more people we get to hunt and more people on our side, I think it would also help with possibly opening up more public land down the line um, because we have the numbers on our side. So whether or not it's, you know, going to help or not, we have to you know, we have to help out and, and and try our best to guide them on how to become a bow hunter or hunter in general, whether it's a gun hunter or not. And um, I would show them my how I hunt, how I climb a tree safely, and how I do everything because it's not it's it's not something you can just pick up and go out there and read a book and go out there and do it. You know, it's, it's a lot that goes into it, a lot of preparation, reading the woods. Is, one one thing alone and being able to know when deer pet it's a lot that goes into it so um that's probably my input on that man just you know get your license and do it and do it legally you know well you know that that so much echoes what i've what i've had other people tell me is is you know find a find a mentor find a uh 
someone that you can you can ask questions of you know even if it's not someone you know someone that's able to take you out like you know like you're willing to but just someone you can ask questions of and run things by and they can point you in the right direction and i mean that's really so much of i feel like what what you started with bow hunter brotherhood it's what what your group is about um so if uh if people want to find you online uh find bow hunter brotherhood online uh you guys are on you know all the the various social medias um we got you in instagram youtube facebook all that right Yep, and um, uh, com is our website, and you can find us on Twitter, too. Anywhere, just push, punch in Bowhunter Brotherhood, it'll pop up, and if you guys want to ask anything, whether it's bow hunting or, you know, whether it's not, you know, we're, we're cool guys, we're willing to conversate and give you our opinion and our honest opinion and, uh, and uh, try to guide you in the right direction, whatever it may be. That's awesome, and I will... Uh... I will definitely link to all your pages on the show notes page for this. Uh, show notes page is going to be livingcountryinthecity.com slash three for episode three. So that's livingcountryinthecity.com slash three. Um, all right. So thank you so much for for hopping on the, uh, on the line with me. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to kind of share sure, your story and everything. So. Awesome. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for having me. It was an awesome conversation, and you know, I hope uh, somebody grabs some good information out of this. Hey, all. That's going to do it for us for Episode 3. Make sure you check out the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 3. I am actually posting this episode from my hotel room while I'm out in Salt Lake City for the International Sportsman's Expo. I've been talking to some great people and have some great podcast episodes lined up. Y'all should get really excited for what's coming up, so keep an eye out, and in the meantime, stay country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. 